like to have walk-up intro music like I'm getting a <laughs> walk-up to bat? I'm going to run through a wall right now. Well, my name is Mark. I have the honor and privilege of serving our uh, students as the student minister here in Siena. So if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you after the service. I uh, hope you guys are having a good Sunday. We are continuing on with a series called Who's Your One? And this is uh, week three, so we've, uh, we've heard from Pastor Greg, we've heard, heard from Pastor Malcolm, such great things. Uh, one, of the, one, of, one of my favorite things that I heard so far was, was that Pastor Greg shared in week one that it's, it's not that he calls the perfect or the already, you know, ready to go and all that. He, he calls those who are available and willing and, and humble and, and, you know, so, so that's <laughs> like all of us and that feels great. Um, because I know that some of you guys are smart and you have talents and gifts and some of us just, we weren't going to get into college on our educational merits or our sports merits or stuff like this. So it feels good to be common and uneducated and ordinary and usable by God. So um, if you will turn with me to John chapter 1, that's where we're going to be today. And while we, uh, while we um, turn there, I want to tell you a quick story because as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about a time a, a few months ago where where a friend of mine had to share kind of an uncomfortable truth with me. And uh, it's kind of one of those moments where someone is honest with you, you didn't ask for it, you weren't, you weren't invited, and it just kind of, it just kind of entered into your life. And, and my friend Eber Fernandez, who leads worship for us up in the hub on Wednesday nights, uh, one, of my, one of my friends, he, he told me, um, hey, bro, I, I need to talk to you. Um, I had a Popeye's chicken sandwich. And it is so, so good. This was like a couple months ago. And I said, oh, okay, awesome, you know. He's like, no, 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 no. It's better than Chick-fil-A, bro. And, uh, oh, 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 there's some pain in this section right here. <laughs> Heretic. Uh, so we, uh, we, in the hub, I remember all of us were like, get out of here. Like, you, you don't know any, have you had a Chick-fil-A sandwich? And then I, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this out. And so, like the masses in America uh, have done the last few weeks, um, I, I tried one out, and I got to tell you, it's real good. It's like good, good, right? And, um, and the funny thing is, is that now everyone's talking about how the drive through lines are too long, and you can't get this, and you can't. I'm like, bro, Popeye's has been with a long drive through where you, where you been? Don't call it a comeback. Like, they, they have been uh, busy. But it was funny when he talked to me about it, and I know this is kind of a national thing or whatever, and it's just kind of funny, whatever. But um, when we talked um, this last Wednesday night in the Hub, about things that maybe we're ashamed to talk about because we're excited to talk about maybe the movie that we saw or the favorite TV show or, or like this new album that we just downloaded or whatever. Those things like come out of our mouth like we're just ready to talk about it. But sometimes with our faith, um, things can take a little bit different turn. Now, what's interesting is that the last couple weeks, if you haven't been here, we've been kind of unveiling uh, some of the details from our uh, first snapshot survey. So we've learned that not only do we have one of the healthier churches that's ever been surveyed, which I think is just amazing and awesome. Um, but we are a church that shares the gospel with our friends and neighbors. Not all of us, not 100%, but by and large, a lot of us are engaged in that. Um, and this idea of who's your one, we, we've heard, and, and, and you know, the, the, the idea for this series is not to make someone a project, not to see people as numbers, that we're just kind of checking, you know, something off the list or making ourselves feel better so we get to share it in LBS and we get the gold star badge for the week. But if God has done something in your life miraculously, wouldn't you want to share that with someone else? That's kind of the heart behind the series. So, so we've asked you to identify this one person that you would share the love of Christ with this year. We've challenged you with that. Hundreds of you have responded and said, I know the person, I've been praying for him, I've been looking for opportunities, 
and all that is amazing. Um, but in, in the hub this last Wednesday night, we kicked off a series, ca- series called Unashamed. And uh, one of the first things that I asked was simply, what is it that um, keeps us from sharing our faith? Why, why would we be ashamed of sharing our faith? Because we know that Romans 1.16 says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's a power for salvation for everyone who believes. We know that. But why is it that we're ashamed? And I don't know that, that you would call yourselves ashamed of the gospel. I don't know that anyone would say that. But um, what is it, maybe a better question is, what keeps us from speaking up about our faith? And I know there's a million good reasons. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, but I know there's a million good reasons. With students, I know one of the perceptions is, is they don't want to come off as bigoted, right? Anyone else feel that, right? The adults in them are like, yep, me too. Um, one of the things that the students said was that they, uh, they feel prejudged. So you, you introduce yourself as a Christian, and then the weight of every Christian that's been in the news gets put on you. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you're a this or a that, or you, you hate these people, or you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, my name's Mark, nice to meet you. <laughs> um, but they, they don't want to be seen as prejudged, you know, for all of the things that come with this kind of moniker of, of Christianity. You know, and I know that um, as, as an adult, maybe you can agree with me, um, that adults in a lot of ways are just really grown-up teenagers. <laughs> Do you feel that nervous laughter? <laughs> You're like, oh, I know. i got to get my stuff together. Um, no, it's true. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I mean, I, I've, I've lived here for about a year now, and one of the things I've learned about our community is never, ever, ever, ever under any circumstances just to comment on anything on Sienna Plantation Neighbors on Facebook. Am I wrong? What kind of snake is this? This dog is lost. Who am I voting for? And blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just not interested because people are crazy. People are crazy. And they will come at you. with the, And the comment section is a little worse. It's like there's a little accelerator in the comment section. Like, I hate you already for just typing something. Uh, but we live in this world, right? We live in this world where there's a lot of tension, and it's like, this offends me, and all that. None, none of that is a surprise. But what is it that keeps you from speaking up about your faith? What is it? So I, I, actually, I actually literally want you to maybe write something down. We just gave you some blanks today. I just want you to kind of write whatever it feels that, like. What is it that keeps you <laughs> from sharing your faith? And I know there's all kinds of good reasons. I've heard students say, like, I'm not allowed. And maybe some of you in the education system can help me. Like, is it allowed? Is it not allowed? And I get it. You know, and, and I know some of you in the marketplace, you're like, well, if I bring this up, then this and this and this might happen, and I might get invited on that deal or that team or whatever, and I get it. I get it. I get home from work. I don't necessarily want to just go talk to my neighbors. I'd rather just do that thing where I open the garage door, and I, and I like, add my way in. I'm, the garage door's going down, and I'm inside my house not to talk to anyone for the rest of the evening. I get it. But what is it? What is it in your life that keeps you from sharing your faith? I know in my high school years, one of the things that was a struggle for me was I, and I found, I found Christ around 15, 16 years old, and, and for me, um, every time I stepped up to share the gospel with my friends, there was just kind of a crippling fear that what if rejection, what if, you know, object, uh, whatever, whatever it is, what if I lose my friends? So I just never s- stepped out, and one of the things that I regret about that season is I graduated, and that season was done. Of course, back then, Facebook wasn't a thing. So, you know, for you guys, you know, <laughs> not like you're on Facebook, but, um, you know, you've got, you've got all these platforms to stay connected with people, and all that's great. But when I graduated, you know, that season was done, and I moved on. I went to college nine hours away, and, and, I, wasn't, and, I, and I remember thinking, like, wow, I let that whole season pass. 
I let that whole season pass. And I wonder right now, what's, what's the season that you're in? Who's the people that you're around? Who is God calling you to share the gospel with? In John chapter 1, we have this, this story. And I'm going to be real honest with you. When I read this passage, I was like, hmm. That's one of those that if I'm doing my devotion, I'm going to skip right past it. Like, there's not a ton of details. There's not a ton, like, oh, I'm really enlightened. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to skip past this one. But I found something kind of unique about this passage that I'm really excited to share with you. In John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51, we meet a guy named Philip. <clears throat> and it's going to kind of happen like this. 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, Philip found Nathaniel. Pause. Let me just stop there for a second. That's all we know about Philip. <laughs> That's his whole story wrapped up right there. You don't know what um, made him want to follow Jesus. You don't know, because a lot of times in the Gospels, I mean, some people in the Bible get pages and pages and pages and pages of story. We don't know much about Philip. All we know is that somehow Jesus introduced himself to Philip, and Philip says, okay. Right? So what we're going to see is Philip follows him, and then obeys and starts sharing the gospel. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was on your tombstone, like, follow Jesus, obeyed him immediately. And some of you are like, that's not going to be online. It took me a minute. Right? Right? You're in good company. So, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, this is verse 45, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I find this interesting, for, if I can just say this for just a minute. Lots of people missed Jesus as the Messiah. What was it about Philip that his eyes and his ears were open, attuned to the story? I mean, all these people were reading the Old Testament, the Torah. They were all reading this stuff. But tons of people, like Jesus, floated right under the radar. That, that he, a, a Messiah could never be born in Nazareth. He could, wouldn't be born in a manger. He wouldn't be homeless. He wouldn't be a carpenter. He wouldn't be any of these things. So we, we missed him. So what was it about these people that missed him that Philip caught on? So... Immediately, he starts telling Nathaniel, we found Jesus. He's the son of Joseph. He's the one that Moses and the law and the prophets talked about. Nathaniel, verse 45, says the thing that we're all afraid of. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, objection. In other words, I reject your proposal that I should even pay attention to you right now. Right? All of our fears. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that if you share the gospel... Everyone is going to come right out and say, like, thank you for sharing that with me. Like, you're, you're going to experience some objection. So maybe that's, maybe that's the fear of that rejection. Maybe, maybe that's you. But what's interesting about Philip for me is he powered through, and it didn't feel like he had to defend Jesus all that much. Because what does he say? Come and see. Philip knew something about Jesus that we ought to remind ourselves about. That Jesus is powerful, right? The Holy Spirit could do something in someone's life and will do something in someone's life if we just let him. And rather than trying to convince people, I like Philip's, like, just come and see. I dare you. I dare you come and see. Which, interestingly enough, if you go to the passage before in verse 39, he's really just echoing Jesus' words. Jesus just, one passage before, says, come and see. So he's like, Nailing it, right? He's memorizing scripture. It's the shortest verse probably that he had to memorize, come and see. Like, and it wasn't really a verse yet because it just happened. But he's sharing the words of Jesus, and he's putting it all on the Holy Spirit to do the work, right? And, and maybe, maybe you just need to, like, take that deep breath and sigh of relief. <sighs> it's not my job to save people. It's not my job to save people. It's not my job to fix 
my kids, though I might try, <laughs> though I'm doing my best as a parent, it's not my job to fix my neighbors, my parents, my coworkers. Come and see. Come and see. In the midst of rejection, come and see. So what happens? And I'm just going to be honest. This one's, this one's kind of weird for me, so track with me here. So he says, come and see. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Why does Jesus always say weird things when he meets people? <laughs> right? I mean, he's the son of God and he can do what he wants. But that's not something that I'm pulling out of my tool belt. When I'm like, how nice to meet you, I'm Mark. I see there's no deceit in you. What in the world, right? So, so that threw me for a loop. And, I, and I'll get back to that in just a second. How do you know me, Nathaniel says. And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Pause. Nathaniel's about to freak out. Because something about this statement, like, will wreck him. What does he say? Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God and you are the king of Israel. What was it about that moment? I've got an idea. But let me read these last two verses real quick. Verse 50. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Real talk, I didn't understand why Jesus said the first thing or the last thing. It was confusing to me. Angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Like, can we just get to some practical steps? Like, you should join a Bible study. No. You will see angels ascend. Like, what in the world? So I did some study. And this is what's incredible for me. Some commentators were saying, and let me just say this real quick. <clears throat> what I'm about to say is not in the Bible. Just my opinion based off some stuff I read. So don't take this as gospel truth. This is just kind of one way to interpret this. So he meets Nathaniel. And he says, behold an Israelite, indeed, whom there's no conceit. At the very end, he's going to see, say, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There are ties to Jacob all throughout this conversation. Jacob, way back in Genesis. Okay? So Jacob is known as the deceiver. An Israelite. Jacob's name became Israel. An Israelite in whom there's no deceit. So he's almost contrasting him with Jacob way back in Genesis. And the Hebrew boys at this point, Pastor Greg kind of shared about how Hebrew boys go to school, rabbi school, and they'd end up getting adopted by a rabbi to, to follow him. They'd sit at his feet and, and his teachings and, and all the ways that you could, you could rise up through those ranks. Those boys knew Genesis. And it makes me wonder if maybe J uh, Jacob, I'm sorry, not Jacob, Nathaniel was sitting <coughs> and pondering Jacob's dream, because here's what else. I read that under the fig tree could be a reference. He could be sitting in a literal fig tree. That's fine. But there was a reference that maybe this meant that he was meditating on the law of God. Maybe he was meditating specifically on Jacob's dream where he saw a ladder, <laughs> angels ascending and descending from heaven. So here's, here's what I think, just my guess, not gospel truth, just my guess. Jesus walks up to Nathaniel, <coughs> says, an Israelite who there's, who there's no deceit. He says, how do you know me? And then he mentions the, I saw you under the fig tree. Maybe Nathaniel was pondering something in his head. Maybe he was meditating in his heart. What I think has happened is Jesus walks up to Nathaniel and speaks directly into something going on in his life that no one else knows about. That's just my guess. 
You ever had a moment where you're just quietly praying for God to rescue you out of addiction or, or help you out of a, a fight or a relationship battle that you're in, that you're wrestling with something and you're quietly asking God to do something and then miraculously something happens? You ever had that happen to you? You're battling something in your life and maybe your community is kind of battling with you and then God out of nowhere switches the circumstances up and brings healing, brings rescue, brings life where death used to be. Here's what I want to say about this moment. Nathaniel represents both the objection that you may feel as you share the gospel with your friends. We all are, okay? So we can all, we're all on the level playing field. But he also represents someone who had a personal experience with Jesus and who was changed. Here's the one thing that I want to, to share with you today. This is kind of the big point, is that your story matters. Because what happened to Nathaniel in that moment was Jesus did something in his life that was undeniable. Right? He says, how do you know me? How, you know, how, like all this. He had this moment, and then immediately out of his mouth comes, you're the king of Israel, you're the son of God. And I imagine that you, if you're a believer, you've had a moment like that. A lot of times it's tied to a friend. It's tied to a, some kind of relationship, a mom, a dad, a small group leader, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a, a camp counselor, a something, where maybe you had a, an, an event happen in your life. Maybe someone shared the gospel with you. Maybe someone took you under their wing. Someone was like your Philip, right? Someone was obedient and shared the gospel with you and said, hey, come and see. And then you, it wasn't on Philip to change your mind because Philip couldn't have done that. Jesus in that moment does something personal with Nathaniel, and Nathaniel had a personal experience with Jesus. And if you've had a personal experience with Jesus, that's what we call your testimony, and that testimony could, could make a difference in someone else's life. I know that we're kind of sh scared to share those things. But when I read this story, and this was how God selected one of his disciples, it was how God was sharing the gospel with those around him, Something personal happened. I want to um, show you something. Put you on. The, put something on the screen. There's gonna. It's something called an angle scale. This is a, a man who who defined um, for us what it's like to share the gospel with people. Um, and what's interesting, you'll find, is that a lot of times we think that when we share the gospel with someone, we're just going. Well, we just need them because right now they're saved. They're kind of at a zero. And we just need to get them to one or, or, you know, whatever. The truth is, we may be finding people at this step one, no awareness of God. You know, so, so you, may, you may be realizing that, that someone has steps. So no awareness of God. Maybe this is someone who's never heard the name Jesus before. Or maybe you're, you're finding someone who has contact with Christians, but they're still not saved. Maybe they have interest in Jesus. Maybe they've investigated Jesus. So this is one of those ways that we, we look. This is so helpful to me because what I realize is that when we meet our Nathaniel, we might be building a relationship. Now, here's what I, here's what I don't want necessarily to happen. Um, I, I don't want you to, to just to walk up to strangers and start slapping them with the gospel. You have relationship. I mean, do that if you may. But uh, slapping them with the gospel, maybe could use better wording than that. Um, the, uh, the, you have relationships with people. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if you right now have that one in your mind, if you would maybe just draw a little number and just say, this is where I think they are. Because maybe not everyone is at a one. Maybe someone is a seven. But understand that there are objections to the gospel. Maybe someone had a, a, a bad experience in church, 
They've got lots of barriers to overcome. Maybe they had a, a rough past with family. Maybe, maybe someone abused their trust who also represented Christianity. There's a barriers to overcome. The truth is that when we meet someone, we may be 10 steps away from their decision to surrender to Jesus. You might meet Nathaniel. You might meet Philip. Those are two completely. Now, granted, Philip met Jesus, so that's a little better, you know. Philip meets Nathaniel, and then Nathaniel meets Jesus. So I want you to think about who that one person is in your life and maybe think about where they are on that scale. Uh, my wife, Christy, is so good at this. She's so good at just meeting people and sharing the gospel with them. Again, not slapping them with the gospel. Probably not something you should do. Uh, but when she builds relationships all, all throughout the community, um, when she goes somewhere, she builds relationships. Now, I, I, some of this is an extrovert thing, right? So, so some of you that are extroverts, you're talking and you're building relationships. Maybe you need a who's your one today, like because you, you meet so many people, you're just like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And the introverts in the room, this who's your one series is kind of freaking you out a little bit because you already don't like to talk to people. Introverts in the room, where are you at? You don't even want to raise your hand right now. <laughs> You're terrified. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> um, the truth is that my wife has been so good at, at, at building relationships with people that it's kind of rubbed off on me. And so I remember I was at Starbucks when we moved here, and, and one of the baristas, is, his name is uh, Abraham. And, and uh, man, I'm telling you, it was like he reached right over the counter. He, he looked me in the eyes. He shook my hand. He said, man, it's good to see you. And he's just a really, like, if you, by the way, don't go to Starbucks and be like, I heard about you. <laughs> you know, like, that would be very bad for me because he's kind of someone I'm trying to build a relationship with. But the truth is, like, man, so, something stood out, stood out about this guy. Right? I've got, I've got neighbors that, that, that that's, I feel like God is saying, like, man, you need to share the gospel with them. As you go, are you, are you building relationships with people? Are you building relationships with people? Nathaniel had a personal relationship, a personal experience with Jesus, and that changed him. So I want to share with you just that there's power in your testimony. Honestly, um, <clears throat> my story and how I found Jesus is um, I remember growing up in church, one of the things that I, and you know, <laughs> we parade people with crazy testimonies up on stage because, you know, it's, it's good. I'm not knocking. I just had a really boring testimony. At least that's how I perceive it. Like, I grew up in church. I found Jesus. That's about it, you know. Like, I wasn't a crack dealer. I, you didn't come from a, you know, a developing country. Like, I, I didn't have those things happen to me. Um, you know, I grew up in some pretty, pretty good times and all this kind of stuff. But what was interesting to me um, is that nothing really clicked for me until I was about 15 or 16. And this is where my testimony really takes, like, a spike. When I was 15, um, I remember as a, as a kid, kind of early years, high school, I remember thinking um, <coughs> the only thing that I really wanted to do was just belong, um, not be very visible, not stand out, um, not get picked on. And, and at some point, um, there, was a, there was a guy who, um, who showed up and just decided to be a bully. And uh, I don't like this part of my story because it's tough for me to stand up and be like I was bullied. People think bullying's new. Like, no, 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 no. People have been shoving kids in lockers for a long time. Uh, this is not a new thing. You mean you just add a cell phone in the mix and that's new, but like bullying <laughs> is not new. But I had a guy um, who actually made me his one actually in bullying. So I just realized that this morning. Um, that's fun. It's always a football player, right? It's a football player. I, I, I will never, ever forget. <clears throat> there was a day where this guy decided to <clears throat> start bullying me. 
And uh, I remember it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I remember at one point, um, fear of all fears, he walks up to me with a, a, a stack of lunch trays. Some of you are like having PTSD from high school right now. Like, me too. Um, sits it in front of me, he says, take them up. And he used a few cuss words that I won't repeat, but, or I beat you up right here. And I'm like, okay. It's embarrassing to take these things up. It's embarrassing to get, I'm just going to not take the black eye. And I'm just going to walk these things up and terrify, just hands, you know, like you have that feeling. Like it's awful. I remember one day he took, um, he ripped my, uh, I had my Discman out. Um, students, a Discman is, uh, <laughs> is something where you, CDs would go in it and it was ESP so it wouldn't skip. And um, rips the CD player out of my, out of my hand. It's probably God because I was listening to not good music. Um, but rips it out of my hand and never got that back. And I remember thinking, this is not what I signed up for. Went home with all of the Bible knowledge in my head, with all the years of small group leader and Sunday school teachers and sermons and camps and retreats, and all of it that had not clicked into gear for me. I go home, and in my bedroom by myself, I just cry out. I say, God, if you're real, I need help. If you're real, if you're out there, I need help. People ask me all the time, like, what is it that's keeping you from being a believer in Jesus? I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's something that's important to me right now. I didn't know how to answer. I, you always feel guilty, by the way. Like, what's it staying in front of you? Like, I don't know, bro. I'm not ready. That's kind of where I was. I lift up this kind of emergency prayer. I actually made a deal with God that I would not suggest. I said, I will pay attention to church. I'll take notes. I'll invite my friends. I'll go to camp. I will go to camp. I'll go to a mission trip if you get this bully out of my life. Wouldn't suggest that. Next day, bully's gone. Next day, bully's gone. Never again. And something, something inside of me was like, God is real. God has answered my prayer in a personal way. And that is where my faith story began. I don't love it. It's a little embarrassing to share. But what I found, <coughs> by the way, <laughs> can you see why I care about student ministry so much? Your story matters. Your story matters. Your testimony has power to change someone. Now, granted, it's not your power that changes. It's the power of the Holy Spirit and Scripture that changes someone. But but your story might be the thing that invites someone into that conversation. So where are you with that? Sermon in a sentence today is that when you share your story, you multiply God's work in your life. When you share your story, brave as you may be, you will multiply the work of God in your life. I want to share a quick story as we close. Um, this guy named Edward Kimball, you've probably never heard of him for good reason. Um, he um, was a Sunday school teacher. I'll read the story to you. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who not only prayed for the hyper boys in his class, but also sought to win each one to the Lord personally. He decided he would be intentional with every single last one of them. Surely he thought about throwing in the towel. If you've ever taught the Bible to young boys, you know that the experience can often be like herding cats. Yep. Uh, one young man in particular didn't seem to understand what the gospel was about. So Kimball went out to the shoe store where he was stocking shelves and confronted him in the stock room with the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That young man was Dwight L. Moody. 
in the stock room on that Saturday, he believed the gospel and re received Jesus Christ as a Savior. In his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God with thousands professing Christ through his ministry. But the story didn't end there. Actually, that's where it began. Under Moody, another man's heart was touched for God, Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became the evangelist who preached to thousands. One day, a professional ball player had a day off and attended one of Chapman's meetings, and thus, Billy Sunday was converted. Sunday quit baseball and became part of Chapman's team. Then Chapman accepted the pastorate of a large church, and Billy Sunday began his own evangelistic crusades. Another young man was converted whose name was Mordecai Ham. He was scholarly, dignified, and he wasn't above renting a hearse and parading it through the streets, advertising his meetings. Anyone want to sign up for that down Siena Parkway? It's going to take you a little while to get down there for the next two months, but... When Ham came to Charlotte, North Carolina, a sandy-haired, lanky young man, then in high school, vowed that he wouldn't go to hear him preach. But Billy Frank, as he was called by his family, did eventually go. Ham announced that he knew for a fact that a house of ill repute was located across the street from the high school and that the male students were skipping lunch to eat uh, at that house across the street. What stu when students decided to go interrupt the meetings of Mordecai Ham, Billy Frank decided to go see what would happen. That night, Billy Frank went and was intrigued by what he heard. Returning another night, he responded to the invitation and was converted. Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham, the evangelist who preached to more people than any other person who ever lived, including the Apostle Paul. You could continue following his trail and see where Graham and all of us have started with the ministry of Jesus. This is how far-reaching Christ's message has gone. As of 2008, Billy Graham's estimated lifetime audience, including radio and television broadcasts, topped 2.2 billion. Can I just say you have no idea what hangs in the balance with that one person that you want to share the gospel with, that one person you're building a relationship with, that one person you're praying for. You have no idea what kind of domino effect might take place in our nation, in a nation that by and large is walking away from God day by day. So I don't know where you are today. Worship team's going to come up. We just want this time right here to be a time for you to reflect. Reflect on that person. Reflect on that one. Maybe just thank God for that person, that, that Philip in your life. That one who took you aside. The one who shared the gospel with you. One of the things that we want to share with you just before we stop is uh, in your monthly guide we have this thing called life three circles this is uh, just kind of a quick way to share the gospel with someone it kind of includes God's story wraps in their story um, so this is kind of a resource to you as you as you decide and identify who that one is and take steps um, but maybe this is a helpful to you that's in your monthly guide today <clears throat> for the next few moments if you'll just go ahead and stand um, we're just going to bow our heads we're going to pray and then we'll sing this song and reflect. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the bully. As much as it hurts to say that, Lord, I know that you put, it's not that you put circumstances in your life, but you're using them for our good. What the enemy meant for evil, you, you are turning, you're redeeming, you're using. For those of us who are married in the room and we've got kids, maybe our one is right in our, our household. 
for students in the room, maybe they've identified someone in their school, someone in their class, someone in their circle of friends. The singles in the room, the college students, maybe you've identified a one in your circle, in your, in your group, in your area, in your job, in your neighborhood. For all of us in the room, we've, we've got somebody. So I want to ask you, God, to give us the strength, the power, the boldness of Philip just to say, come and see. Even when those people would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Lord, we're asking you to drive that force. We're asking you and your Holy Spirit to move in those moments. It's in your name we pray. Amen. For the next couple of minutes as they sing, this is just your time to reflect. a beautiful song. Please be seated for a couple of minutes. What do you think? What do you think of Mark? Isn't he great? Incredible job. Wow. Thank you, Mark. He didn't mention that disc man in the first sermon, so that was interesting. At least 
Growing up, you didn't have an eight track. I remember two miles of tape blowing out my window in my vehicle, trying to get it spooled back up. But uh, We do have a couple announcements before you guys head out. The first one is baptism next week. That's always an amazing time, a celebration. We get together, we cheer it on. If we can do that for our favorite team, why can't we do that for those that are making a profession of faith and following up in baptism, right? So we'll do that. If there's, if you have questions about that or you're interested in baptism, go to Sienna at HoustonsFirst.com and you'll be able to find out more information about that. Next, I am proud of this thing right here. You know, Tyler Scott always does a great job. It is your turn to put your name on this trophy. What I'm talking about is the men's tailgate. We're going to have that on the 9th. Talk about who's your one and not being offensive. Hey, you're going to go eat chili, hang out with the guys, have field goal competition, and watch a game. That is an amazing opportunity to invite somebody. Boys, men, it's a, it's a great opportunity. We love it. We have fun. So if you have a favorite chili recipe, you can bring that as well. We love to eat the chili. That begins Monday night, a week from tomorrow, and it's an early game. I don't know. This is one of those things we've got to figure out before we've done, like, November game. And we had to rent lights because it was so dark. This one is, like, 5 in the afternoon because it's a doubleheader that night. So at 5 p.m., we'll, be, we'll begin the field goal competition. We know you guys already said, oh, I'm not going to make it. Well, drop off your chili. We'd hope you can come back, you know, but we can eat your chili if you can't make it. So drop the chili off and come when you can. Outdoor competition begins at 5, and the kickoff is at 6.10. So it's an amazing time. We're going to have a great time. And then a week from that Sunday, what is that, the 15th, we're going to do the Make It Your Church. For some of you, you've kind of waited around. You're like, I'm not so sure. i got questions. Please come to this. It, it doesn't mean you have to join our church, but we spent a great deal of time explaining who we are as Houston's First Baptist, how you can fit in. What the, I mean, we're, we're one little portion of a, a much bigger picture, but it gives you a good opportunity to know what does it mean to be a member of our church. And uh, so we, we serve lunch, so that's a good deal as well. So please uh, set on your schedule. If you have questions, you want to come. If you've been before and you want to have a lunch, come on. We, we won't turn you away at the door. So thank you for being with us today in worship. Uh, let's stand together and we'll close out in a word of prayer. Father, we praise you, Lord. What an awesome morning to be in the house of the Lord today. To hear from you through Mark, speaking to our hearts and things that he shared that are very personal, but yet you touch us where we are, Lord. You minister to that. To hear his cry as a teenager, Lord, that, that's powerful and that's moving. And we all have those. And no matter where we are, on a mountaintop or a valley or somewhere in the middle, Lord, you're there to meet those needs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your care, your provision. We worship you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.